So each day of occupancy for them is worth $50 of top line revenue. So that little metric right there, if you add that across the 10 to 15,000 homes they're gonna buy, that really starts to add up. Hello, and welcome to Sink or Swim, a weekly podcast brought to you by RentSync, where we take a deep dive into the prop tech, multifamily, and rental housing industry. In each episode, we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today. Okay, welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm Mitch Fanning with RentSync. And joining me today is Colin Douthit, owner of Atlas Property Management, located in Kansas City. Colin, how are you doing today? Doing great, Mitch. How about yourself? I'm fantastic. Like you said uh, before, living the dream every day. So today, obviously, I want to get your thoughts on the property management industry a little bit and also just managing a high growth portfolio. You've experienced a lot of growth over the last couple of years. So we want to kind of drill into that. But before we kind of get into that, maybe you can do that intro some justice by telling us a little bit more about your background and how you got started or how you started Atlas. Yeah, no, I'd be glad to do that. So my background is professionally, I'm an engineer by trade. I got three engineering degrees. I'm a PE. Corporate world wasn't for me. After I was unceremoniously departed from my my last company, I already had a few pieces of real estate that I had owned or was under contract on. So I just like kind of focused on real estate. Uh, over the next 24 months or so, we bought 70 doors to myself and some partners, and I was self-managing those. And from there, I decided, well, you know, why not look at starting a property management company or buying one with the goal that generate enough money from third-party property management that I get my properties managed for free. This was my, my way of thinking about it. Looked at buying one, that deal fell through, decided to start my own and kind of the rest was history. We've grown a lot, started with just basically rolling in my 70 doors and uh, now we're just over a thousand under management. Nice. So really that there was a follow-up to that, but I think you've kind of touched upon it, but maybe we can double click into it. The question I had was, or the follow-up was like, what made you decide to start it? And so it was really to essentially get your initial doors kind of managed for free. It was kind of like the value out there. Is that kind of how it went? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was my thought initially. Now to make sure our company retains financial health and I have a partner, I actually still pay for my property management at the, gotcha. <laughs> at the end of the day. And then we're like, well, I've already in the real estate space. I'm already managing and I've already got systems and PM software. So why not roll it out and do third party? You know, I'd spent a couple of years self-managing. I'd, I'd learned from a lot of mistakes, learned a lot of legal issues that I had to deal with. And then Frankly, I was like, well, I don't want to go back to the corporate world, starting my own business, start generating revenue from that. And from that revenue, then I can start having more capital to buy more real estate. So you mentioned kind of that trajectory going from zero to 70, then now you're well over 500 doors, I guess, at this point. So really, my first question is like, how did you manage that? How did you get from kind of zero to say 500 doors in such a short period of time? And we touched a little bit on that, but anything you'd be willing to share, I guess, now that we hit record, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my ownership stake really hasn't, I still own less than a hundred doors or have ownership interest in less than a hundred doors that we manage, but getting from zero to, you know, the first 70 
uh, was using capital we had saved up, finding some off-market deals. Market wasn't quite as hot. That was back in 2017, 2018. We were able to snag some stuff at a at a pretty good price, what we thought was a pretty good price, and grow that. And then getting from the 125 doors under management, which is kind of where we started 2020, you know, I'd started doing some third-party stuff there and getting to a thousand doors 16 months later. That was the real hurdle for that growth in terms of just getting doors under management and just hustling for that, you know, year and a half. Gotcha. So here's a typical question, but I think it's, it's always an interesting one. If you had to kind of do it all over again and you can pick any phase, if you, mm-hmm. you know, whichever phase you want, but if you had to do it all over again, what would you do differently? I would call it during that hyper growth phase, which essentially for us was all of 2020, contrary to what the rest of the world was doing. I would have been more selective with uh, certain clients. I would not have let certain clients make up uh, such a high percentage of our portfolio. Additionally, I would have been more selective about the quality of properties that we were bringing in. We just kind of took anything anywhere. And it was... uh, it's been a great learning experience. It allowed us to hit a lot of critical mass steps. It would have taken us a lot longer if we had done it. I don't want to say more deliberately, but if we had been more selective, it would have taken us a lot longer to hit the the scale that we wanted to hit. But without that scale, opportunities have arisen from that. So, but that Absolutely. would have been the portion. I would have been more selective about certain owners and quality of properties. Gotcha. On the flip side, what do you think you guys did well? <laughs> Adaptability, stretching. You, you mean you add effectively, you know, uh, we'll say 800 doors, 700 doors in a 12 month period. There's a lot of stretching on everybody. All of our systems would get stretched and broken. We'd have to retool a system, whether it was our maintenance team, our construction team, our property management, our software, whatever we were doing, accounting, everything just got stretched, broke, and then, you know, retooled to make it stronger and better for the next stage and growth step for the business. Exactly. So on the flip side, now that you're at kind of the level that you're at, I guess we kind of touched upon it a little bit. What specifically, or you mentioned systems and kind of the tools, what specifically changed in your business? And again, you can pick any area and maybe kind of give us a sense of how I went through a bit of an evolution. Mm -hmm. When we started out and we were at 125 doors under management, it was me doing everything. I yeah, was yeah. the leasing agent. I was the maintenance coordinator. I was the property manager. So taking the next step and hiring staff to start taking specific responsibilities was a large evolution. I'd say the one that's been the biggest gain for us, actually in the last 60 days or so, we hired a director of operations slash regional property manager who's got over 30 years of PM experience and he's been a regional, he's been a COO, that sort of thing. Bringing him on as just a layer of management to protect my time and then also to bring in more training more experience for our PMs to support them fully. That's been a real big game changer. And without that critical mass, it's not to say that we wouldn't have been able to have him probably. So obviously that's the people piece. And you've spoken a little bit about the process. Were there any specific tools that you, or what does your, maybe your tool, your tech stack look like currently and how has that evolved? 
So currently we're using monday.com for our project management. Also lightly, it's used as our CRM, just tracking projects or properties that are coming online on the PM side. Additionally, we use that for tracking our construction projects since we have our own construction company in-house. We use it for tracking unit turns as well. Grasshopper is our phone system. It's all internet-based, so the PMs download the app on their cell phone. It rings directly to their cell phone. They can call out through the app as well. Uh, and it shows up as the office main line. That allows for a lot of adaptability as we expand and add extensions and weekend numbers and we can bracket when it's going to ring on the PM cell phones, when it doesn't, when it goes to the receptionist, when it goes to after hours, et cetera. Those are two things that we're valuing, but we lean on a lot right now. And then obviously our PM software. And the PM software, what does that look like? Is it which vendor do you typically use right We're now? We're actually migrating to Appfolio okay. right now. And that one should be going live any day now. So maybe I'm kind of, as I said before, I tend to go off script. This is in my foray into that. Now you've started a property management company in 2019 and, and kind of I had spoken about my experience kind of pre-2010. In your mind, what's been the biggest difference say, starting a, a property management company in 2019, say, versus five or even 10 years ago? Well, that's going to be a little bit of a difficult question because I don't know what the property management space looked like <laughs> five or 10 years ago. <laughs> I mean, I guess four years ago, I was self-managing my own properties, right? That's kind of when I got into it. So that was early 2017, four and a half years ago. I couldn't tell you what it looked like in 2010 because I was graduating college then. But I imagine the technology has improved. It sounds like from talking to people that have been in a while, the the PM software has been what's been one of the biggest changes with it all going web-based, with all the integrations in the software, you know, with the way the properties are getting marketed, right? I mean, it seems like some of these websites that listings are getting syndicated to, you know, it's all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's another one. Oh, that's a big player. I, I've never even heard of that one. I think that the way the properties are getting advertised has been a big change with an all application process. I mean, for instance, in 2011, 2010, I rented my first apartment after I graduated college. And maybe I looked at apartments.com, I think back then. I went and drove to the apartment complex. I talked to the leasing agent. I filled out a paper application. We signed paper leases. We don't do paper applications. We don't do paper leases. So just from, I guess, from my experience as a tenant, those would be the biggest ones. We would walk to the leasing office on site to submit a maintenance request or call. Right now, that's all done through a web portal. Yeah. And do you think because of the the change or the evolution in technology, that has kind of allowed you to scale quicker than, say, your predecessors who might have, say, started a PMC company uh, or PMC maybe pre-2010? It's very possible. I think the technology has definitely allowed us to scale, knowing that we wanted to scale, focusing our efforts on making sure all of our systems could handle that. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been a lot harder if every 75 doors, we had to get to get another, another person on staff, right? We're able to stretch staff a little further because of technology it takes a lot of those manual processes off the table. Yeah, it definitely has allowed for, for us to scale quicker and not knowing anything different might have been an advantage, might have been a disadvantage. I don't know. But knowing it's like, oh, great. Well, to add more doors, I just have to go into the property management software and click add more doors yep. and hire another maintenance guy every so many doors. And then we've got a maintenance coordinator and he can handle our whole portfolio. So no big deal. 
Interested in being a guest on Sink or Swim? Or have a really great idea for an episode? Email us at podcast at rentsync.com. So let's talk a little bit of you brought up renting kind of back in the day. Let's bring up kind of marketing and advertising. Obviously, COVID has impacted how people have spent their marketing dollars or just marketed it in general. Mm-hmm. How has that impacted the way you've marketed or advertised your rental properties for clients, say, over the last year and a half? It hasn't. Okay. That was the short answer. <laughs> short answer. It's the short answer. It hasn't. I mean, our leasing agent showed properties in person all through COVID, showed properties before COVID, still showing properties in person now. We are starting to look at some self-showing technology for owners that are receptive to that. Some owners still like the having a person meet the tenant and that there's a little bit of tactileness there, some relationships on a gut, you know, obviously the tenant, if they are approved, you know, we're going to follow the laws, but you know, there's also some gut, like this person might not, might not be the best fit or some stuff to the in-person. I also trust that if somebody's there, something's not going to get stolen because they've got a lockbox code or, or whatever COVID and everything hasn't really affected the way we've shown in lease properties. We've still syndicated all the ads out to the different rental websites, as well as, you know, we've leaned heavily on Facebook as well. So in our research, we found that there was a, during the kind of peak of COVID, there was this shift from kind of primary markets to secondary markets overall from a macro level. How did Kansas City fit into that? Do you feel like there was a bit of demand coming into it, Kansas City, or kind of going away? Definitely demand coming into Kansas City, and we actually have a pretty heavy footprint outside of what we'll call Metro Kansas City and some of these tertiary markets that aren't a direct part of the contiguous metropolitan area where there might be a, a five mile gap before you're right. out into you know this next town. The next town might be 20,000 people, it might be 5,000 people. I started my investing in one of those small towns because that's where I live. Our office is in one of the suburbs of Kansas City, so I drive into the city. And we found really heavy, we've had continually heavy demand in some of these smaller tertiary markets because people did kind of want to get away from the city when, you know, where was this time last year during COVID in the summer of 2020, people were like, I want to get away from the people. I don't have can telecommute now. So yeah, we did see a push out there outside of Kansas City, but our demand throughout the whole city stayed strong the entire time. Gotcha. So kind of a follow-up to kind of the marketing question, when it comes to say reporting back into your clients, mm-hmm. besides the kind of traditional, here's where our occupancy is, or those type of metrics, mm-hmm. are there any other kind of metrics that customers or clients are, are wanting beyond that? Or has it just been the, is it the typical? Rent roll and, and P&L are generally yeah. what we're wanting to see. We're starting to work with more institutional level customers. So they're starting to dig into the financials a little bit more. We're going to start tracking uh, unit downtime more. And that's one of the reasons that we're switching at Folio as well as it's enhanced reporting so that we can provide higher quality information to our owners and track, you know, unit downtime, days on market. And frankly, it's one of the reasons that we're starting to work with RentSync as well, uh, because we wanted to be able to track our, our lead sources, where they're coming from, what's getting us the most bang for our buck, where are we really capturing the most leads from and maybe should we focus more effort on certain avenues? So you mentioned institutional customers. What's your sense for why they're looking at maybe more granular data? I've got my own opinion, but I'm curious to know. And the answer could simply be because no one else has time or that's kind of their job. But 
Is there, do you think there's anything else beyond that in terms of like market factors that are pushing institutional customers to kind of want to know that information? Well, one of them, we're working with a really large nationwide fund right now, and we'll be multiple, managing multiple markets for them. Their thing is they have it tracked down to each day of occupancy or vacancy is worth so many dollars. So each day of occupancy for them is worth $50 of top line revenue. So that little metric right there, if you add that across the 10 to 15,000 homes they're going to buy, that really starts to add up. So tightening those timelines up on some of them is good. Additionally, you know, just the enhanced reporting on the, the P&L, really digging into that. If they're a syndicator, they really want to make sure that they're segregating their their CapEx versus their normal income because they want to push that NOI as high as possible for a refinance because then the syndicators get their kickers and all their incentives on. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's obviously because they want to they wanna optimize that NOI and that return. I find my theory is because there's a lot of investors through the institutional entities that are maybe new to the multifamily space. They're used to seeing that data or more data, or they're looking to see how those other leading indicators. So it's it's been interesting as a result of that. Okay. So, I mean, kind of as we, before we get into, you know, my favorite part of the conversation, which is the quick fire round, I guess my last question is what's next for Atlas? And in general, like, what do you see kind of in the future for the property management industry? Yeah. So for us right now, um, you know, we're in Kansas city, we're going to St. Louis and Ohio this year. We've got customers, real estate funds that are, are wanting us to manage all of Missouri for them. So that's Kansas City and St. Louis and, and the Kansas side of the state line. And then Ohio as well. We'll be opening up branch offices there, uh, looking at some other tertiary markets. So, you know, long-term for Atlas, continue to grow and scale. We're putting leaders in place to allow the next step in expansion and professionalism for our company. Great. Okay. So Colin, I'm going to ask you five questions and you'll have about 30 seconds to answer. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So first question, what's one thing you wish your phone could do? Oh, geez. What's one thing your <laughs> phone could do? <laughs> uh, not ring so much. Gotcha. Okay. That was an easy one. Second question is your favorite app or tool and why? Despite the fact that we're starting to go away from it, the whole Gmail suite. I really like that. And why? Because it's allowed us to centralize everything. Very economical price when we got started as we implement enhanced IT services. And I'm not the IT guy anymore. We are going over to the, the Office 365 suite and all that because it's easier to deal with the security and the backend administration on that for those guys. But the Google workspace has been great for us. Okay, great. What do you believe that others might disbelieve? There is more than one pie to look at. So everybody's fighting, thinking a limited mindset. There's only so much of a piece of pie that a company can grab. They got limiting beliefs and we're over here and saying, there's a whole nother pie where everybody's missing over here. So I I don't need to fight with you guys for, for the scraps. We're just going to focus over here on this pie. Great. What have you changed your mind about lately? Okay. Keep it property management related. What have I changed my mind about? It doesn't have to be. It can be anything. Well, what I've changed my mind about recently is that a little bit on that being more selective about your customers, right? I'd always heard that, you know, you read it in the business books, but having experienced it, being willing to say no to a business opportunity is sometimes a good thing. Agreed. And lastly, where can people find you on the interweb? 
Yeah, they could find us at www.atlas.rentals or they can find me on LinkedIn, just Colin Douthat. Great. So anything I've left out? No, I don't think so. Uh, This has been good. Property management, it's been good to us. We look forward to continuing to grow and partner with great companies to help take us to the next level. Okay. Well, Colin, thank you so much for joining me. It's been great. And until next time, keep swimming. Thanks. Enjoyed it. You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rentsync.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in the show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.